This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? Oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Everybody and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world, and I have to deal with them. I'm wandering around Newington Green, North London. I have just been admiring the newly installed um, Mary Wollstonecraft statue uh, here, which has been pretty controversial um, in the press. Uh, just been looking at that, some passes, discussing it with some passers-by. Feel very cultured. Anyway. Um, this week on Galactic Yo-Yo, I've um, got a bumper episode as I got the opportunity to chat with writer Peter Harness, um, who was an absolute delight to talk to. I'm so glad I got to talk to him about his Doctor Who scripts, about his kind of ethos and philosophy as a writer, and about his unpopular opinion, which I'm not going to trail because it's a bit of a complex one, uh, and it's kind of it's difficult to make it snappy, so I'm just going to let you listen to that. Um, as I said, it was an absolute delight to talk to Peter, um, get to the bottom of, of what makes him tick. Um, and yeah, I'm really grateful to him for taking the time, uh, taking the time to call me all the way from, uh, all the way from his home in Sweden. Um, a couple of heads up about the audio. Um, Peter was kind enough to record his own audio, so it sounds pretty good. Um, however, um, he does occasionally accidentally knock the table that the, his audio recorder is on, so you'll hear a few knocks, I hope they're not too alarming. And also, speaking of alarms, I think Peter had some kind of cuckoo clock in the room that he was sitting in. Um, so a couple of times, you do hear the cuckoo clock um, going off for a period. Um, but it's quite charming, and uh, I hope it's not too much of a problem. You can still hear Peter talking, so it shouldn't be a problem. Um, I think that's all the admin for this week. Um, I hope you enjoy listening to him, listening to me talking to Peter. Um, as much as I enjoyed uh, chatting to him. Thanks again to him. But without further ado, here is my conversation with writer Peter Harness. I wanted to ask you, just to kick things off, what is the best idea you've ever had? And this doesn't even necessarily have to be a writing idea. It could be any idea that you've had in your life. I just want to know what's the best idea you've ever had. I think you probably have to break that down into a few different strands because um, I think the best idea I've ever had is to, it's probably something to do with my personal life, Mm. really. It's probably something to do with something that makes me happy or, or, or feels secure. And that's probably my 
family. That's probably the woman that I've married and the children that I've had. Um, you know, which is a very kind of um, uh, which is a very kind of uh, conservative, I suppose, um, with a small c way of thinking about things. But really, as I get older and I get to know myself increasingly better, I think that what I, what I what I need to be able to function is a certain level of kind of security and love and normality around me and I think my desire going forward is to is to keep that architecture of love and support and happiness and joy in the day-to-day -day around me um, all the time and therefore I think probably um, you know I feel I've got a great relationship with with my wife um, I love my children very much. I'm enjoying this time of life when, when they're still young and I'm very much enjoying parenthood. And that means that I've got enough ammo to, to, to get me through the rest of it. So, and I think that's quite, I mean, that's quite fundamental to me and, and it's fundamental to all areas of my life because I find, I find it very difficult to, to work and function and do things if I'm, distressed or un or unhappy mm. or feeling lonely or whatever in in the rest of my life so so probably the best idea that i ever had is an idea that um that, that a vast majority of people have which is it would be nice to it be nice it would be nice to be in love and it might be nice to have um uh to have a family um which is probably not what you're looking for but um in terms of the best single idea the best kind of creative idea I've had ah I don't know because they come in they they pop up with regularity mm. you know different different ideas especially I found if you're not necessarily just if you if you're writing for Doctor Who or anything but um uh, I thought I found that a lot when I was doing Doctor Who because you would get a lot of ideas that could be Doctor Who ideas mm. and which you wouldn't necessarily think of um, using anywhere else or, or or think that there would be a place for anywhere else. Yeah. But but kind of any idea can be a Doctor Who idea and and, and, and that's the that, that's a fantastic thing. So so I found myself kind of having a lot of what I thought were amazing ideas when I was uh, when I was writing Doctor Who. So I don't think it's um I don't think it's ever that difficult to come up with ideas because if you're in the market for ideas and if you're thinking kind of, uh, if you're looking for them, if you're looking creatively, then ideas do pop in and they, and any idea can be a good idea. I mean, any and, idea can, and can, can any idea be a Doctor idea. Who idea? Because I mean, there's a cliche about Doctor Who and there's a, there's a received wisdom about Doctor Who that, it is a, a program with infinite storytelling possibilities, but is that really true? It, you know, is yeah, any I idea you is. ever had, uh, has any idea you've ever had got the potential to be a Doctor Who story? Or is there a... Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and I, um, I think any idea that you ever had have has the possibility to be great or crap. Mm. Um, you know, I have to, I like... 
uh, if you take something like like Breaking Bad for mm-hmm. uh, for an example, if um, I mean the the pitch for that is basically um, a science teacher uh, finds out he's dying and decides to cook meth. Yeah, and that would that that would probably make a really good Coen Brothers film. Mm. Um, it could make just a kind of totally rubbish, um, you know, 90s comedy. Mm. It um, could be an episode of The Bill, couldn't it? Yeah, it could be an episode of The Bill. And it could be it could be what they did with it, which is just to completely, um, you know, totally unpack that idea in mm. all of its ramifications and in, 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 in all of its characters. And I think that if... Um, and you know that yeah that's a good idea, but it's not the most amazing idea you've ever, you've ever heard necessarily. Um, no, no. I suppose it's it's what's done with that idea that is yeah the interesting part with Breaking Bad, isn't it? It's the kind of um, it's like how you apply your imagination to it, and mm. um, and I think that's very true with Doctor Who, because um, y- you know any idea could be terrible, um, but any idea with the right kind of imagination with the right yeah. like point of attack um could could be great i'm thinking a little bit to kind of uh, i'm watching the new series of the crown mm. and um uh i watched the michael fagan episode last night um and also the one where um they find sorry spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the latest series of the crown um the one spoilers they, for british history <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, and also the one where they kind of rediscover these um, cousins of the Queen Mothers who've been locked up in a uh, in a, in an asylum for right. uh, the past thirty five years. Um, and I mean, I found myself looking at them and thinking, um, you know, that's not how I would have done it. I uh, the, there could have been a lot more um, to me uh, life in those episodes, um, but. But he's kind of uh, Peter Morgan's taking it in his in his. He's a very kind of direct. Um, he's a very kind of direct, driving, straightforward mm, mm. writer, uh, and and everything that that he gathers to that series has to do with reinforcing the kind of the 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 main structure of um, of uh, of the stories. And I and and I thought, well, um, I would have liked to have seen those two stories from much more from a different point of view and um i think they would have been kind of very exciting like that and i think that's that's uh that's a fantastic thing about ideas and imagination and creativity that um what you would do with one thing um would be totally different to what somebody else would do and sure. what you, you you know I might not. I, I might not make a great job of writing um, a certain story. I might not make a great job of of telling the story of a of a high school chemistry teacher who decided to cook meth, mm. but Vince Gilligan did. Um, and um, you know, there's 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 always some kind of application of somebody's imagination which will make a story which in anybody else's hands would have been terrible into something totally amazing. Um, and so, you know, I, th- I think that that's why 
it's hard to say that you that you, you know the best idea that you've ever yeah it's hard to quantify the quality of an idea when it's about the what happens with that idea maybe. yeah yeah that's a very very kind of long-winded way of of not answering your question <laughs> but uh, it's what you said there about breaking bad about it being this this kind of small idea that ended up being this five season odyssey of stretching the idea out and mining it for all that it's worth it kind of made me think that maybe Doctor Who is the is the opposite of that because Stephen Moffat has often said that Doctor Who swallows ideas in a way that other shows don't would you agree um, with that? Yeah I think so um he always says, you know, writing a 45-minute Doctor Who script, you, you, you waste two or three great movie ideas on it. Is, that, is he exaggerating there? I mean, I think he's... Um, <laughs> I don't know. It depends whether you're kind of thinking, God, I should keep this for a movie. It's such a, it's mm. such a great idea. I remember when, when, when I kind of first went to pitch for, for Doctor Who. Mm. That was in... I think that was for season one of Matt Smith's season, probably season seven. Mm. And what they were kind of actively inviting then was um, the movie pitch mm. idea. Yeah, because like season seven's like, things really, like dino- really dinosaurs focused. on yeah. a spaceship. And, um, well, they made and the movie like posters for that season. All the marketing was every, every week's a new movie was the, was the kind of marketing gimmick for that season. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... So yeah, I suppose you can kind of say, oh, it's a it's a great movie idea, you know, and I'm going to waste it on Doctor Who. But um, I mean, considering how few movies actually get made, and considering how unlikely it would be that anybody made a movie about the moon being an egg, for example. Um, <laughs> the I, second part uh, of my yeah, first question, I was going to ask <laughs> you, what's the best idea you've ever had, and why is it the moon is an egg? <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I'll save that. I'll save that. I'll wait for him to mention it. But, 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 but I mean, that was that was kind of what I thought of, thought of when um, when they were kind of asking for things that you could essentially just go and pitch in a phrase. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'd come up. I'd kind of had my list of uh, different ideas, and just as I was kind of going to that meeting, I. I thought of that idea, um, and um, I got through all my other ideas, and you know the energy in the room was just slowly dissipating and running running away under the door. Sure. And and then eventually I said, "The moon's an egg." <laughs> I'm imagining like, that scene my best with um, Alan Partridge. Yeah, with Alan Partridge in the in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, the moon is an egg, and the their partridge eyes... amongst the pigeons. <laughs> And then essentially they said, yeah, well, what's that? Their eyes lit <laughs> and, up. And, and did you and have like more or said, was it just that know. phrase? No, they said, um, uh, <laughs> I said, okay, the moon is an egg and it starts to hatch. And they said, wow, what happens next? And I said, I have the faintest fucking idea. <laughs> um, and and then, then it was years and years of working out what would happen, what might happen. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, I... I, I <laughs> You know, there are ideas that kind of find a natural home in Doctor Who, which you probably, which you could probably spend your whole life trying to get made as a movie. You know what I mean? I, I do think it does swallow ideas because, um, especially with somebody like like Stephen, you see him 
flinging in an amazing idea and then getting bored of it and five minutes later moving on mm. to the other. And I think a lot of other writers would stay and think, actually, that's a great idea. I'm going to unpack that for for a while longer. But yeah. no, I mean, it does. Uh, yeah, it does. And, you know, I think it does Stephen, swallow ideas, but, in a, but yeah. in a very good way. And I think Stephen does end up unpacking those ideas in his own way because he what he tends to do is, is more of a sort of poetic thing of of redoing the same idea in a slightly different way over and over and because he obviously wrote in wrote so many times for Doctor Who because he was the showrunner he mm. he was able to kind of um reiterate ideas over and over and kind of work through them yeah um, which is which is what writers yeah. do isn't it and um for sure. uh, generally and I think I mean that might be that might be part of the frustration that he's he's kind of voicing there because it's seemingly in Doctor Who you're not allowed to rehash your your ideas um, in the same way that you might be allowed to if you were just doing your own kind of career. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to you've got to kind of reinvent the wheel. You've got to find find something new and fundamentally yeah. different every time. And I time. guess that's part of the excitement. Yeah, that's yeah, that's um, that's a wonderful thing about Doctor Who, isn't it? That it's uh, but it's never the same from week to week. No. What was it like then? Obviously, I, I, I'm not going to go into this too much because I know you've spoken about it a lot in interviews before. But what was it like when Kill the Moon aired and everybody decided that it was an abortion metaphor and you had never intended it that way? What is it like for an audience to impose a reading on your script that you never, yeah, that you'd never intended to be that yourself? Well. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's kind of a little bit um, of a misrepresentation to, to kind of say that, that you know, that, that, that was the general kind of massive consensus. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that... Um, Maybe I'm overstating this. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe, I'm, look, I'm talking, I'm talking to myself, really, more than, more than to anybody else, because... Um, I think after after um, Kill the Moon uh, came out, I kind of um, you know fell into listening to to the criticism of it a lot, um, and I I, ha- I have to keep on reminding myself just for my own kind of um, sanity that a lot of people really uh, loved it and um, and mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't have kind of uh, you know, such a terribly visceral reaction to it. No, no, but I th- but that. That is true, and um, that was that was clearly kind of uh, how a lot of people read it. Um, and I mean, looking back on it, I think um, I mean I think I was aware r- writing it that that um, it clearly kind of skated alongside that issue mm-hmm. but um to me it was fairly clear that it wasn't it wasn't about it um and it was about it was a, it was about something else and um that is probably symptomatic of me not really being as plugged into plugged into that uh, to thinking about that subject sure. as perhaps I should have been, 
but it's uh, well it's also just you, you never, know, you never mean, know how an audience I mean, is going to read something firstly to, to, to me that's not uh, I grew up in I grew up in England and I lived uh, now a long time in Scandinavia mm. where the idea of vaguely of, of even questioning the 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 fact that um, a woman's right to 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 make her own decisions about her own body, um, the the thought of questioning that is is ridiculous. And of mm. course, I you know I I think I I think I failed to appreciate what a kind of uh, what a very live topic it it still is all around the world, and has become increasingly and urgently more so again um since uh, since kill the moon uh came out i think mm. i think it I, I you know i think it was i think it was symptomatic of me not being sensitive enough um to that kind of thing um and uh, i mean i regret that uh and i certainly regret if uh it looked as though i was writing something which was um uh you know uh, against kind of um uh, uh against a woman's right to uh, to to make her own decisions um uh, which is you know obviously very far from the truth um but but to me it was to me it was fairly clear that I wasn't writing an allegory about abortion um uh i was writing i was writing uh, an uh an allegory about humanity humanity finding it very difficult to um uh to uh accept the unknown yeah it, feel, um, it feels like a story about responsibility to me more than yeah. more than anything else um yeah it feels and, like but yeah. but but, it, but it's also very you know i was i'm 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 always very keen that Essentially, uh, I'm always very keen that my scripts pass the Bechdel test. Sure. Um, and oh, and Kill the Moon certainly does, doesn't it? Yeah, and 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 I think that perhaps has something to do with it. Essentially, that kind of it is. It's essentially um, the Doctor and a supporting cast of women, and and the women who are the ones who are left to um, yeah. to make the choice and. The, the, there's there's quite a bit of that kind of stuff in it, that kind of um, uh, politics. I think the Doctor behaves kind of very paternalistically and patronisingly mm. in it, and yeah. I think all of all of um, those kind of issues get stir, stirred up, and they're quite close to to the kind of abortion issue as well. So yeah, um, well, I was going to say, in, in some ways, the Doctor, if it, if we, if we are to read it as an abortion metaphor, then the Doctor behaves in the kind of worst way an expectant father could behave in that situation i mean in in one sense he does leave it up to the women in the room so that's that's good but also he he's not really there for them is he in that in that situation no and um, i mean it's a tricky it's a tricky episode really and it was and and i kind of wanted it to be a yeah. tricky episode it's spiky and uh, yeah and it's full of moral grey areas mm. and you can find yourself agreeing and disagreeing with the with the characters and you can find yourself not 
necessarily liking the doctor or necessarily agreeing with what he does there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was intentional. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, yes, it's a prickly episode and it stirs up a lot of different feelings in mm. people. Um, and, and not just, not just, um, about, um, the abortion theme, but, um, uh, but clearly about the science and um, the, the 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 kind of silly central <laughs> idea and and the fact that the doctor clears off and things like that. Um, well, it's very divisive, but that that must be something you enjoy as a, as a writer to see your work so hotly discussed, or is it not? I, I I I would really enjoy more if if everybody in the world thought I was a genius <laughs> and it was the best uh, thing that they'd ever seen. But but it's uh, I suppose this is a close second best. Um, I mean I do, uh, yeah I. The thing that I was I guess most worried about writing Doctor Who was to write boring and forgettable Doctor Who. Yeah. Which I think, which I think, is the kind of one crime that you can commit if you're sure. if, um, if you're writing Doctor Who. I always wanted to do something new, and I always wanted to do something that would kind of make people make people sit up a little bit and yeah. talk. And and I went into Kill the Moon with all of my all of my guns blazing and um, thinking, okay, let's really kind of let's really shake things up and. Mm. and push things as uh push things as far as I'll go and um then I suppose um I can't be surprised that that uh it gets a bit of a divisive reaction and I've I mean I've I've made my peace with that now uh, you know 5 years later um but I never really wanted to um my ideal version of doing doctor who would have been to be cradled in cradled in love and uh, and sure. uh, and appreciation but unfortunately whoever you are even if even if you've written and i and i can't really think of anybody who who has you know um written universally acclaimed things i um mm. if they if they've written more than one or two um you do you do have to you do have to grow a second skin um and that that can be a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do as yeah. a writer in generally, uh, in general. Um, and when you're dealing with something which has such an emotional um, attachment mm. to you, as as Doctor Who does, because I think most of the people who have written for Doctor Who um, since it came back have been uh, have had a lifelong relationship with it. You know, mm. almost you don't you don't want to have to kind of, um, uh, or at least I didn't. I didn't want to have to grow a second skin. I didn't want to have to kind of get tough and yeah. accept um, the good and the bad with it. But um, and and was do, Doctor Who something there is? And, and was Doctor Who something that you had grown up with? How, how much was it something that you had that that emotional connection with? I mean, hugely. Um, I think, um, yeah, hugely. It's it 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 was a huge part of my growing up. I think that, and I'm not alone in that, obviously. Uh, but I think that um, 
that if you if you if you're a lifelong kind of Doctor Who fan and um, you 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 usually met it at a time when your brain was uh, when your brain and your personality was kind of forming its synapses mm. um, and it connected with something and and you know built itself into built itself into the fabric of uh, of who you were um and i don't think that's an exaggeration really i think that's no, not um, at all. that's how a lot of people experience it yeah and that's how and that's why it means so much to people it it just um it connects with something very visceral mm. and uh i guess as far as I can remember, I first saw Doctor Who when I was about three. And uh, so I've loved it. And it's been part of my life uh, ever since I can ever since I can remember. And, and I've had I've had different phases in my relationship with it. Obviously, mm. I was, uh, uh, you know, I came to it towards the end of uh, Tom Baker and uh, loved it and loved loved Tom Baker's Doctor and then Peter Davison's Doctor and loved it, loved playing it and reading the books and getting Doctor Who monthly before I could probably even read it very well and, and cutting out the pictures um, and making making my own little monsters and things and and then then I then as I grew up it it um, you know it became part of my life in different ways. I was thinking about because. You you know you always uh, you always have to tell the story of of of, uh, of how you uh, uh, of how you first kind of came across yeah. Doctor Who and I was thinking because because I mean you know I I, um, I thought it was Destiny of the Daleks was my first one and then I kind of basically more or less remember every story since um, and I was I was thinking about um, uh, about how that developed and and mm. what you could say about that because um uh clearly as i was growing up th- uh, you know then doctor who was doctor who was going into its uh into its first decline and yeah, um yeah. and was not kind of very very popular and i think i fell out of love with uh with doctor who a little bit as well in fact i think i i i think what caused it was um was um, Gareth Jenkins going on um, Jim will fix Jim it? Jim will fix it. Wow. Okay. I, I I felt so betrayed by, by in by, a fix with Sontarans. Yeah, by him, yeah. by him who who just stood there waggling his leg back and forth in a Colin Baker outfit, <laughs> and and I was very pissed off that he that he got that, <laughs> and I was very pissed off that um, that somebody else won the winner day with Doctor Who competition yeah. in the twentieth anniversary special. Oh, Je- Jenny Colgan, apparently. Wow. Um, um, so, so I think I kind of uh, took my took my toys away uh, and uh, and and left. I mean, I, I I wasn't kind of wholly on board with uh, with with Colin Baker, who I who I found kind of terrifying <laughs> and very grumpy. Um, and so I don't, as I don't think I really, really watched Time yeah. of the Time. Well, I mean, th- that then, was your problem, though, because Gareth Jenkins' grandma had had made him that Colin Baker coat. If you'd maybe asked one of your grandparents to to make you a Colin Baker coat, then maybe you could have you could have made it onto Jim. Uh, but she, but my 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 grandma made me a lovely uh, Tom Baker outfit, and I won second prize at the uh, 
at the Hornsey County Primary School uh, uh, fancy dress competition in 1980. Um, but, um, yeah, no, God, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, but it would have been difficult to wear a Colin Baker outfit. <laughs> it, has, it, it has to be said. But so, then I kind of came back to it after that, and, and, and then my experience of it was... There was a uh, there was a boy at our school who had access to videos, mm. um, and we used to go and sit. and His dad was the, the 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 head of English, and so we used to go and sit in the um, sit in the library at school, you um, at lunchtime eating sandwiches and watching very blurry kind of uh, uh, copies of uh, Logopolis and Unlawful wow. Child and, and and things, and and then. And then that kind of um, kept me going for another for another few years. By which time Doctor Who was no longer on TV, and yeah. it was all about swapping and finding blurry color copies of Inferno and things like <laughs> that. And and you know I've I've been through different stages with it, coming and going a little bit, and 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 each time coming back to it in a different in a different way and having a slightly different relationship with it. Yeah, because when it came back then in 2005 with Russell T. Davies's brand new iteration of, of Doctor Who, were, were you already a writer by then? Were you were you thinking, oh, I, I would have done it this way? Or where were you coming from when you were watching that, that those first couple of seasons of New Who? 2005, I would have been... Uh, I mean, yes, I was a writer, but um, I think the first thing that I had actually made was at the end of 2005. Mm. So I hadn't had anything produced, but I'd been kind of making a fairly scratchy living at it for for a few years. Uh, well, I mean, not for very, you know, three or four years. Um, and so I wasn't anywhere near really being able to think what I'd do with it, um, aside from, oh, God, I wish, you know, I'd... I'd I'd love to write for it if 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 they'll ever have me, um, because it was. Uh, I mean, I think it's easy to forget because it's been back for so long, and it's probably very likely to be with us in this version for. You know, more or less as long as the first go round was. Um, it's easy to forget how much better it was than the old series immediately you know yeah. and you you can be you can be kind of you can be kind of misty eyed about this but 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 people I think try and it, be diplomatic about it but but yeah, in terms right. of in terms of what you always wanted doctor who to be which was great great special effects looking like it had money spent on it great writing exciting stories just everything that you'd always really hoped that it could be, and sometimes you could pretend that it was like that, and you could you could you could say to your friends, "Oh, come watch the caves of Androzani; it's absolutely brilliant." And then they'd say, "But there's, there's an appalling, there's an appalling dragon, there's an appalling <laughs> plastic dragon at the end of at the end of episode three. And so I ignore the plastic dragon and ignore. You, you know, ignore this shit monster in this uh, in 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 this show because it's really good. Um, I think it was the first time that you could look at it and say, "This is this is what the show is. This is what we always knew it could be, and it's now you know now there's a kind of common agreement 
on how fantastic it is. And I think there was that. I think there was that in the 60s and 70s. Mm. But if, you, if you'd grown up in the 80s and it was a very niche thing and your fandom was cat- categorised as being very weird, um, uh, you were so desperate to have, to have something that, you, that, that proved that you weren't just strange and deluded for liking this uh, sure. Uh, this this program and of course I love I, I love classic who and and I love it just as much as I love uh, new who but but I think the kind of bar the bar of kind of uh, quality in new who is undeniably higher no doubt in terms of, no in terms of production values storytelling um, acting writing mm. everything a lot of doc, a lot of classic doctor who is is very good but it was but it was battling against some pretty insurmountable odds mm. and but i but i think but i think new who has has become what all of us always knew it could be and i and and i think probably classic fans have um have each of us probably has found a different era of the new series which really kind of crystallizes doctor who yeah. for us yeah i think i don't know i mean there are there, there are there are classic series purists who, who who have never really got on board with the new series but you know that's but but they remain a, a, a kind of fringe minority don't they i think the most of the world agrees that yeah new, new who is a is a is a more palatable yeah and the, the, like you say the bar is just different isn't it when when you first um when you first had the opportunity then to pitch for for Doctor Who it was as you say it was in the 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 last season of Matt Smith yeah how then did that idea for Kill the Moon evolve as it as it came to be as it came to feature um Peter Capaldi's Doctor and then obviously as you went on to write for series 9 and then series 10 how did your writing change as the Doctor changed or did it not well um, I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you the kind of long story of it all, r- mm. really, um, which is um, I'd really... I remember the first time I almost got to have an interview with uh, uh, writing for Doctor Who. Um, and I think that would have been probably after, the, probably after the Chris Eccleston season. I went in for a meeting... At, B, at the BBC and talked to somebody from BBC Wales who may have been Matt Strevens. I can't remember whether whether he was um, whether right. he was there then. And um, he said, "Well, what do you really want to do with um, with you know what what would you love to do more than anything else?" And uh, I said, "I'd love to write for Doctor Who." And he said, <laughs> "Join the queue, mate." <laughs> um, and uh, and so I did join the queue, and I realised. In a way that I'm not normally, I'm not normally strategic or, you know, I'm not normally that organised in terms of how I try and get myself jobs. But I did, but I did try, I kept on kind of trying to get meetings with, I mean, you'd never get a meeting with Russell or Stephen, but... um, but occasionally you might run into them at things and uh, and uh, make sure to tell them how much you love Doctor Who and, and, and how much you love their, their, their stuff generally. Um, and I, I did... 
uh, it was it was very hard to 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 be able to get anywhere near it really um and and I had to work very hard at getting my own things made and uh, and getting some getting up some rungs on the ladder so that they'd even see you because it was um I think latterly with 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 Stephen, you, you know, he wasn't. You'd had to have quite a lot of experience um, before they'd even consider you, really. Yeah. Um, I think they they thought it was. Um, they thought it was so difficult to um, to kick twelve or thirteen scripts into shape that they mm. had to be fairly sure that they would that the people who they were employing had done that several times yeah. so so well, most of it, most of the the you know the smith and capaldi scripts are written by either people who are kind of celebrity hires or they're people who've kind of show run their own projects before aren't they yeah um and 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 eventually i kind of um eventually i did get that that meeting um through you know Telling everybody who would listen that that I loved Doctor Who and, and, and wanted to do Doctor Who, and, sure. and eventually they eventually they they asked me along, and I went and pitched this, um, and it it went as I said it went. Uh, uh, the moon is an egg; it begins to hatch. What happens next? I have I have the faintest idea. Um, okay, well, go go away and think about that. And I did, and I went away, and I went away and think, thought about it. Um, but it was, um, I don't think it's any secret that kind of it was a bit of a a bit of a press to get it made. I mean, I think it always is, but but I think. Um, I think Stephen was also doing Sherlock and mm. um, and and uh, trying to trying to do a series of Doctor Who and they had a f- kind of revolving door of script editors and things and they didn't have a, a whole a, a kind of full script team generally so um, I developed that idea with a couple of different script editors. Uh, who then moved on, and they didn't have a, a great deal of time to be thinking about like the next season or whatever, because they were they were fighting whatever fires were um, were burning in the current season. So um, it just kind of went away eventually. Um, and I, th- I I think whoever took over next, it disappeared from their desk, and it, and eventually I, I I got in touch with them and said, is this is this happening or not? And somebody wrote back to me and said, no, no, we looked at it and we thought it would be too expensive. And so I thought, okay, well that's all right, um, uh, fine. Um, it would have been nice if it, if it got made, but um, but that's okay. Um, and and then I kind of forgot about it. And then a year or so later, maybe two years later, I got a phone call from Brian Minchin, mm. um, who just uh, taken over as the co-exec. Uh, and he and he said, um, I've been looking through our ideas, and I really love uh, Kill the Moon. Would would you would you come come back and talk about doing it? Um, and 
I was initially a bit reluctant because I said, um, well, I mean, I don't want to go through the same process as last time because I got very excited and then it didn't happen and, and I yeah, found yeah. that quite kind of upsetting and disappointing because I'd really love to do this. Um, but having said that, I can't really say no. So, mm -hmm. okay. Um, and then, and then it went reasonably smoothly. I mean, I'd, um, I mean, I'd done a fair amount of work on it by, by that stage. Um, and I'm not entirely sure whether, I don't think I had to do another outline because I'd already done two or three and, and I think they just asked me to write a script and I did. Um, and I can't remember whether it, I remember that I was writing it when we were filming Jonathan Strange um, and I think it went relatively quickly and then I handed it in and they and they liked it and aside from kind of budgetary things not not an awful lot changed and I got I remember getting one very lovely email from Stephen saying what he liked about it and could I change a few of these things because um, we can't afford it and and I did and then you know it went it went pretty smoothly and I was I was very chuffed with it and in fact really um, it was the smoothest ride of any of the stories that I did and actually looking back on it I think it's the one that I still love the most because the um, the other two are well that they're, they're co-writes and they they come in a certain well I, I guess the Zygon one isn't related to other things but the the monk one you did is interconnected to other elements of the of the story of the season isn't it yeah how um, how, um, how is that different to doing something that's more standalone like kill the moon well i mean kill the moon kill the moon was my was my idea mm -hmm. um and it was it was the one that i kind of pitched to them and it the only the only kind of weight that it had to bear was that um was that i think they wanted some kind of break between the doctor and clara in the season and yeah, yeah. they haven't asked me to include it but it did coincidentally include that um and so uh and and that was coincidentally quite good so mm -hmm. so it didn't really have to bear any bear any other weight than that um and the zygons the, the zygons i pitched a number of different ideas for that season and then stephen uh came in and suggested the zygons idea to me um and and i think it worked very well and I was very happy to do it, um, but but even so, you still if if you've been if you you're doing a kind of idea that's been presented to you. Mm. I mean, I don't I I'm I don't have the same kind of bravado as somebody like Stephen does. I don't think because I think when if Russell pitched him an idea, he'd say okay, and now I'm going to do this with it, um, and. I always I was always a bit more kind of tentative 
I mean, it's a bit like doing an adaptation. You know, I'm I'm not the kind of writer, and I, and, I'm, and this is probably the wrong way to do it because I know that many people who adapt other people's books don't do it in this way. But if I'm given an idea by somebody else, or um, I take somebody else's work, then um, then I, I'm I'm quite kind of custodial about it, and I want to. I want to make sure that their that their idea and their and their kind of sense of their idea um, remains. Mm. You know, mm. if I'm doing an adaptation, I want it to almost to for the adaptation to 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 have the same feeling as it is when you read the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think that that kind of being given an idea, I'm much more. Uh, I'm much more careful about how I how I treat it, um, and um, and and therefore and therefore like the Zygons one. Uh, I mean, I think I, I think the first episode I definitely ran with it, but then uh, the second episode was more a, a kind of discussion about um, about what sort of uh, story it was, and, uh, and and much more of a collaboration. And then the monks one was the monks one was one that I pitched um, of my own, but for various reasons. I mean, it was going to be a two-parter, but for various kind of scheduling reasons and um, availability reasons, uh, it became a one-parter. And mm. and but then tied up with with these other two episodes mm. um so and Stephen really did kind of fairly you know he he did he did kind of comprehensively go over it because we didn't and we didn't really have the time um to discuss it so, so i mean that feels much less like my story um and I don't know. It would have been. It was. It was. It was quite hard to pitch. Mm. You know. I. Um. I. I. I did. Uh, I generally came came up with a lot of different ideas and would pitch them, but. Um, but I'm not great at selling my own ideas. Mm. I mean, I. Um, and and it, and I kind of it, it kind of maybe speaks to um, what we were talking about earlier um, about what your greatest idea is yeah um there are a lot of ideas that i did pitch which i would have loved to have done um but and which i know i would have made work mm. um but um but i don't think i ever really kind of i never went in and really sold them mm. and 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 therefore maybe kind of uh um well, I mean, obviously they didn't. They they didn't happen, and um, I don't know. It's 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 a bit it's a bit tough when you're doing when you're doing a show f for somebody else who is who is a showrunner. Yeah. Um, and because I mean, it's a great privilege to work with people like like Stephen, but um, but I mean, he's he's got. You you know he knows exactly what his mm. his take on it is, and he knows exactly what his um, his version of uh, of the the stories are, and and um, and that's something that you have to that you have to fit in with, yeah. and 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 I think you know I was allowed to be kind of relatively crazy with Kill the Moon, 
um, I think, and um, and and then I think I kept going back to them with very crazy ideas, um, and 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 then I ended up kind of having to. Um, I ended up kind of fitting fitting in with plans plans a bit more. Yeah, which which well, I'm, which I'm not complaining about, but there um, no. you know, um, I was always trying to do something kind of odd and different and mm. kind of crazy and and I think sometimes sometimes that was a bit <laughs> a little bit annoying and they would have you know they wanted me to do something which kind of yeah fitted I mean, in with with for, with their for, plans a bit more for me I think those second two scripts still still touch on that that craziness you're talking about and I think it's interesting that I guess what what it seemed like Stephen picked up on in Kill the Moon was the way it dealt with a moral quandary because both of those follow-up episodes, um, the, the Zygon two-parter and then also the Pyramid at the End of the World, um, deal with these kind of big moral questions that the characters are having to to face and the, the, these big moral decisions they're having to make, kind of more so than, than other stories around them. That seems mm. to be a focus of all three of your Doctor Who scripts. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's, I don't know whether that's how I write. Mm. I'm not entirely sure that it is, but I think that I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm always very kind of keen that that um, that I should examine the implications of things, mm. and and that. Um, that it should be about how whatever is happening impacts on characters yeah. and yeah. and how that would impact on human beings and sometimes that does um i mean actually i think the moral quandary the the um the the idea of talking somebody down or trying to reason with somebody who's kind of ideologically uh, brainwashed or very very far away from rational being persuaded rationally that was always a key part of of of, of the zygon one yeah. um but um yeah i don't know I'm, i mean that's not necessarily how I, I i don't think that's how i how i always write but 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 i do i do have a weird <laughs> i mean it's odd really as a dramatist because i because i despise conflict and 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 i hate um you know i, I don't like I, I i like to try and understand people yeah and i like and um i mean to be pompous about it my all my favorite shakespeare's are not the kind of tragedies they're they're the um they're the romances like uh, the the late kind of ones like the tempest and cymbeline where mm. where or the winter's tale where it ends in reconciliation um and i think that's what that's what i like to aim for yeah i think i like i tend to want my characters to come together mm. and um and, and 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 work it out and 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 i think that that's probably that's probably what happens in um, what happens in my episodes of uh, Doctor Who, but um, uh, yeah, I think that it would have been it would have been interesting to be 
to kind of um i think i i think they thought that 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 i do that i did that kind of political or dramatic or moral stuff fairly well and that, that um, yeah that's the impression that, i get that that's that's kind of the sort of stories that i could that um, sure. that i could do but i would have it would have been um interesting as well to uh to do something which wasn't that to try something um, else did you go yeah. to, to mezistan for for research <laughs> yes i did yeah <laughs> i uh <laughs> uh, that's not a serious question, of course. I suppose that this is a cheeky question, but you you keep talking about all of these ideas that you um, that you were never able to make. Obviously, you shared one um, with us all when you when you talked about the the, the monk story that you uh, that you pitched. Um, have you would you be able to share any other uh, potential scripts that never were? Um. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, the the the, the monk one. <laughs> I don't think I, I didn't ever really seriously pitch that. Yeah, but, which was which was dumb because I think it's a good idea. I I mean, I remember talking to. I think it was David Davis who was um, who was the scripts editor, um, at least on Kill the Moon. I think the Zygons as well. Um, he was a very nice bloke, um, and I kind of, <laughs> I kind of said, "What about Boney M?" Ra Ra Rasputin, this, and he says, I'd never heard of Ra Ra Rasputin. <laughs> what is, you know, it'd be really weird Who to base a show on <laughs> on a record from 1978, which nobody had ever heard. And so I didn't, you know, it didn't really go any further. But I think it, but I, st- but I think it's a great idea. Um, and I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have argued for There's it. Still time. There's still time. There's still time. I was um, talking the other day for the podcast with Rufus Hound, who plays oh yeah. the monk on on the Big Finish audios. And so now, when I'm th- when I think of that monk idea you had, I, I imagine Rufus Hound in the role. And I think it would be so brilliant. I think it would have been great fun. Um, and I did, I did another. There was another one which got quite far. Um, about which was kind of ah uh, what was it it was about sleep it was about it was about a kind of sleeping sickness um and the whole of london falling victim to a sleeping sickness and um and essentially have you seen a film called Awakenings? It's an old I seen Ro- that, no. Robin Williams, Robert De Niro film based on um, a book by uh, Oliver Sacks about kind of um, people who became catatonic after having the Spanish flu, um, but who were made to awake again with some with um, like a drug therapy in the in the seventies or eighties, mm. um, and it there were kind of aspects of that of people being like deep in catatonia the doctor was deep in catatonia he'd uh, he'd co- contracted that and clara kind of had to get him out and it was um it was called the last one to go to sleep and you had to make sure that you were never the last one to go to sleep oh, in, wow. any, in in any in any particular situation otherwise otherwise they'd got you and um i think that was that was quite atmospheric mm. um but um, but Sleep No More was also going to be in the same season, and uh, and you know, and therefore they didn't really want two sure. shows about sleep. Um, 
that got a fair that that got a kind of a, a reasonably long way. And then there was another one. Um, I don't know what season it was for. Uh, called Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters, which was basically. I think this probably must have been for the season that eventually had the monks in it because it's got a few similarities with with how how that idea went. Um, uh, and it was there's a great film called Into Eternity, I think, which is a documentary um, about nuclear waste at a place called Onkolo, which I think is in Finland. Um, right. And they've got they've got these very deep caves natural caves and they bury nuclear waste in them um and once they fill them up with nuclear waste this stuff has a half-life of like 150,000 years and and which is longer than which is longer than than human beings have been you know much longer than civilization yeah uh, and and about as long as when we stopped being animals really um uh and therefore they have to work out how to warn people who may be around in 150,000 years not to go into the caves um so they've got to kind of game out what might what might happen what, what, what you know and and do they do they just cover it over completely in concrete and hope that nobody ever goes there and just try and make it as anonymous as possible yeah do they try and put up big warning signs? What is a warning sign which is going to be so universal that somebody mm. is going to recognise that in 150,000 years? <clears throat> and and they have, you know, they've got quite a, n- a number of different, rather interesting ideas. And so, you know, you know some of them are kind of like horrific sculptures and uh, and and forests of um, sharpened metal and uh, uh, and quite kind of imaginative things. And and I thought, well, you know, as you do, you thought uh, you think that's a Doctor Who story, um, and it was. It's basically about that about people finding a system of caves, yeah, with very bizarre things, out, um, you know, built outside it. Sure. And then they go past that, and as they go into it, it becomes increasingly kind of hideously nightmarish. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically that somebody landed here on Earth a million years ago, buried something terrible, and tried to set up a warning system which would which would warn off these these kind of um, primitive life forms if they ever evolved. It sounds that like they, a sort of intellectualized version of a Terry Nation idea. This kind of system <laughs> of booby traps. Well, it's that's like the, like in, in Deaths of the Daleks or something. Yeah, you can have your cake and eat it then, can't you? Yeah, Because uh, yeah. Terry Nation's fantastic. <laughs> um, but I quite like that idea as well. And um, I don't know, uh, I guess that sounds a bit like it became probably an early version of the uh, of the monk's idea as, mm. it, uh, as it originally was. Um, and uh, I think those those are like the three that got developed to any... To any, to any degree, to anything that I can really kind of um, sure. discuss. Oh well, they both sound thrilling, and thank you for for sharing them with us. I really appreciate it. You're, you're very welcome. Um, would it be possible to move on to um, your unpopular opinion, Peter, just for a little while? Yeah. 
Great. So you, you, I asked you over email um, what your what your unpopular opinion for the for the podcast was, and you told me something really intriguing. Um, <laughs> would you like to share it with the listeners? Well, I'm not. I, this isn't this isn't an opinion as uh, as much as you described it, it as amusing. It's amusing. It's yeah. a, it's 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 a it's a it's a conjecture. It's a it's it's a vague wonder that I sometimes uh, that that I sometimes have thinking about kind of um, where Doctor Who might go and where it's where it's come from because I think that um, when I get very I get very as I'm sure many of us do I get very despondent about the state of the world and as I said I love I hate conflict and I love consensus and I love agreement yeah. and uh, and I love um people to uh, I love I love it when people kind of sort things out mm-hmm. um and I feel that 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 maybe is one of the things that that um that that drew me to to Doctor Who because I think I think the Doctor Who is is built essentially on on it comes out of a place of consensus I think um I think it was made made after the war mm-hmm. after the second world war i think it's very much kind of um built on the, on on that kind of settlement after after the the second world war um it's came out of a period of consensus where it was generally shared within the viewership about what things were good or decent and what was bad and i think really that when you look at it um it very quickly in its second story essentially gets to the message that the thing that is bad is Nazis. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the first real villains are essentially Nazis. And, then and I think maybe that's a generous way of reading it because that's one okay. angle is the thing, the, the thing that is bad is Nazis. But I would say with the introduction of, you know, hostile aliens at all, it gets to the thing that is bad is foreign. Yes, and maybe maybe that's what what kind of problematizes that approach as we move into more progressive times. I don't know. Is that is that where you were going or or not? I think I I think yeah. I mean I mean I mean that's a kind of uh, that's a kind of endpoint um, mm. uh, to it. Um, you, you know, but you've got you've got the Daleks as Nazi equivalents. Yeah, and I think actually when you when thinking about it, the Cybermen. They're very analogous to the to to the Soviets as yeah, well. Yeah. They're very technocratic. Um, they replace emotion and family and love and individuality with conformity mm-hmm. and and a kind of uh, you know technological future. And really, and an, uh, in in all of that, the Doctor is characterised as being British. You know, he loves uh, amateurism. Yeah. You know, not yeah. not not kind of like amateur, you know, being an amateur, but 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 the kind of great British love of not, of 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 um, of not taking it enormously seriously and being able to kind of uh, knock something up with mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know with a revolving bottle and a couple of forks on corks attached to it, um, and um, not taking it seriously. Not using guns and things, cricket and cups of tea, um, and 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 the doctor's always in England. Yeah. You know, all and, his and friends, yeah, his friends are always guns. English. 
Yeah, not using guns, but also having it kind of kind of an imperial way of doing things. Exactly, he certainly very, conquers in very, his own way. Yeah, and he's a very specific uh, type of uh, of uh, Englishman, really. Mm. You know, he's mm. a Victorian Edwardian, yeah. essentially from a very kind of um, colonial time, and and throughout 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 the history of the program he's dallied with being that kind of hero and you know if you look at Hinchcliffe and Holmes he he essentially becomes that kind of Victorian or Edwardian adventurer wandering through the fiction of 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 that period and the and 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 the and the um and the settings of uh and stereotypes of uh of that kind of fiction and um I mean, like you were saying, I think more generally the fact that, that as a rule of thumb, the Doctor tends to arrive in foreign places, solves what the Doctor thinks is an injustice according to his own moral code, and then buggers off and lets them take care of yeah. you know, whatever happens next. Um, uh, I, I think it's interesting. And, um, you know, and... Uh, I mean, one one would think that that might have changed an awful lot in um, in the series as it came back, but I'm not entirely sure that it has fundamentally. You've still got a very British character, um, and you've still got the idea um, uh, the idea of kind of aliens, monsters, and what yeah. they and yeah. what they what they represent, and. Um, uh, and I think my kind of controversial opinion is that that uh, that it's quite hard for that to persist mm. at the moment. Um, it's uh, um, and if it does persist, maybe that's maybe that's wrong. Well, you know, we're, we're in an era now where there isn't there isn't any source of consensus. I don't think amongst audiences. Yeah. Uh, uh, on who are the baddies? Yeah. What is necessarily good or bad behaviour? Mm-hmm. Um, and what the goodies, if there are such things, should do to defeat them? And yeah. you know, the idea of baddies, aliens, monsters, what they represent is problematic. And I think so much so that whenever, even if, even if you take the narrative decision to say, "Screw that, we're just doing an adventure series." that also becomes a political choice and um and there's an or um i i i think um going forward doctor who has uh, it's 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 got to work out what it's for and mm. and which and it's got to come down on certain sides of certain arguments and i think that that's that that's not always going to be um that's not always going to be straightforward, um, and uh, I, I think that the the character of the Doctor was born at a at a time where there were where there were more there was moral absolutes were a bit kind of simpler in in the in the minds of the audience, and um, and 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 now it's now it's uh, uh, it's not entirely. It's 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 the the paradigm might not kind of a hundred percent work. Yeah, it's a more um, complicated question. I think I think New Who has as yeah has has got both its successes and its failures at trying to do something different with that 
alien monster pouring idea. I mean, the, the, the story people always talk about in relation to this topic is The Unquiet Dead from Series 1, which is controversial for its depiction of the Gelf. Mm. Because in the first, you know, the first 20 minutes of the story, we see the Doctor being really quite charitable to the Gelf when he perceives them as as these kind of needy refugees and uh, and we're supposed to kind of have our uh, be on the doctor's side and uh, there's this weird um argument between the doctor and rose about um uh, should we should we accept the gelf um on planet earth as members of our society and is that the right thing to do and then of course the gelf turn out to have been uh scheming against us all along which uh, if you extrapolate that to be about you know refugees and planet you know you know in real life it's a little bit of an ugly message and obviously mark gatiss didn't intend that but it it i think it accentuates some of those problems that arise when you're writing stories where aliens do just represent nasty evil monsters but then you get other stories like like kill the moon and 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 the zygon two-parter that you wrote that try to tackle oh what does it mean to be a monster what does it mean to discover something alien you know and I think there are a lot of stories like those across the last three Doctor's tenures where yeah, I, the monster well, no. isn't the monster and that becomes the reveal is that our heroes were wrong and you know I mean that's that that's true but 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 both I mean Kill the Moon and the Zygon the Zygon things then they they were not clearly un- unproblematic either mm, mm. um and um Obviously, obviously, the, the 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 Zygon thing had uh, had some themes of immigration, yeah, assimilation, integration, refugee, uh, the refugee crisis, um, and things like that. And um, uh, I wouldn't say that it reached a, a definitive conclusion. I mean, it reached a conclusion that probably you should sit down and talk. Which, mm. which I mean, I personally do think, you know, regardless of whatever injustice uh, there there is, that is that is the only end point of um, that's the only end point of um, of, uh, 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 of of these kind of things. That's that's what that's what um, you know Nelson Mandela did. He he invited his prison guards to sit on the very front row of his inauguration and he and and he recognized he recognized the 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 huge importance of forgiveness in moving forward Mm. but but there are some injustices that you can't that you can't get over like that yeah many people and you shouldn't necessarily get over like no and 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 it's um when you look at um biden now probably well yeah god willing taking over He's going to get an awful lot of flack if he says, "Okay, we love the Trump supporters," mm. and is that right for him to uh, to do that, or should he say, "Screw them, let's go forward and pr- pursue uh, uh, a progressive agenda"? If he does try and involve them, are they just uh, are they are they not ready to share? Are they not ready to kind of involve themselves? Um, uh, are they just going to take advantage? Yeah, um, it's um, and. I think that where where in an era of such kind of um such polarization about mm. um uh, uh about all sorts of 
political issues and personal issues and um and uh <laughs> notions of what is true mm. um, um um what isn't true um that the the poor old doctor standing standing in the middle of it saying i don't like fasc- fascism racism and discrimination um you know that's very admirable but but he, is 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 it is it enough at the moment yeah um, because there is there are some people who would class the doctor's response in that zygon story for example as a kind of ineffective neoliberal response to that crisis and that yeah I'm, really I'm, i mean it, he it, should it, be it, siding with the zygons more yeah it's, wholeheartedly it's, an, it's an old it's an old white man telling mm. uh you know telling uh, an other um that they should just get on with it and 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 shut up and 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 try and talk to each other yeah and as i said you, you know i just think on a kind of practical level you that's eventually eventually what you end up having to do but mm. whether whether you're ready to do that and whether that is fair or just or and, appropriate and, yeah, and whether it's the doctor's role to yeah encourage it's, uh, that I, mean, to I, I mean it's not it's uh, yeah. y- y- you know it, it it isn't his planet um it isn't up to him to intervene there really and um uh, uh you know and also because I think um, all Doctor Who fans love Doctor Who and they've got a character there and a show often that thinks that thinks it speaks for them and probably that they share a moral compass with the show mm. and with and, 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 and with the character and um, and clearly you've you've got within the fandom you've got an awful lot of kind of political yeah. um, diversity as well and it can't uh, y- you know the sh- the show can't reflect it can't reflect the same view of what is um of uh, of what is right uh, or what is appropriate to 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 all members of uh, of its audience and um and you know as i say it's not it's not an opinion and it's not a judgment on the show i i i just think for for a show which kind of um you know it's a it's a family adventure show but but it increasingly kind of touches on these uh, these issues as these issues become become problematic um you you, you know and uh, and 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 the, the the fact that the uh, the the doctor has has uh, recently kind of transitioned um uh, is something that that maybe you know i think there's there's arguments either way uh about how that should have been dealt with um yeah, and, sure, and, sure. and, and and whether whether that should have been <laughs> acknowledged in 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 a more fundamental way or not um yeah. uh and uh, and and even uh, and and doing something doing something like that, which uh, a lot of people felt it was um, felt it was more than time for. Mm. You know, first, uh, firstly, kind of a lot of people thought, no, the doctor isn't. Uh, this isn't. This isn't my doctor anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and equally, people people felt, okay, well, that's great, but kind of let's see the ramifications of that. Sure. 
um, and let's uh, let's dramatize them uh, yeah. a, a, a lot more. And the ramifications um, have created their own their own questions, really, because obviously, I think the series has touched on what you what you mentioned earlier about is it the Doctor's role to intervene? The series has touched on that more in the last couple of years, and has kind of decided that actually the Doctor should shouldn't intervene as much and should should maybe leave it to the people around them to intervene. But what it's made made for is a is a more passive female Doctor, which is something that a lot of fans, in, myself included, find troubling and kind of jarring. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and as you touched on there, the ramifications of the Doctor's gender transition, because that, for me, is what it is, aren't really dealt with in the show. I'm somebody who's transitioned from one gender to another, not, not like the Doctor has, necessarily, but it's... You know, it creates questions that Doctor Who doesn't, I mean, doesn't even begin to pose, never mind answer. No. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, and that, 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 that clearly is a huge change for the series mm. and a welcome one. Um, but, but I think going forward, and increasingly, mm, any decision, any decision that it makes is going to be a decision where it has to come down on one side or the other. Yeah, it has to make it has to make a choice about it. It's not Which necessarily is, yeah. going to be about straightforward storytelling decisions. Because anymore. I think, it's, yeah, I think the world has come to realise that that the, the the decision not to not to stand on either side of a debate is a is a political decision in and of itself. And Doctor Who exactly. has come to realise that and is. Yeah, it's having to to draw lines in the sand all over the place. I guess maybe we'll maybe we'll wrap up with this question. How then? Let's imagine an alternate universe where um, Kill the Moon um, still hasn't been made, and <laughs> the executive producers of Doctor Who call you up now and say, "Oh, we've just found this Moon is an Egg idea. We want you to do it now with Jodie Whittaker as this female Doctor." How does a story like Kill the Moon change? when the Doctor is one of the women in that room? God, that's an interesting question. Um, it's interesting as well because... I, th I mean, my response to the Doctor being the Doctor... Yeah, uh, the the, the um, you know uh, the changing from Peter Capaldi to Jodie Whittaker mm. is that the Doctor is still the, the the Doctor is still the Doctor and the Doctor is not a human being. Yeah, um, and therefore to her, it, it 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 maybe doesn't make so much of a difference because mm. it's something that they're that that they're very used used to. Yeah. So so I'm not entirely sure that I see the character of, of the Doctor as fundamentally changed. Mm. Um, I, I I see the Doctor as an as as some as a as as a Gallifreyan, um, and 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 not a human, mm. um, and. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, the whole question of, of you, you know, the doctor's reproductive system has not has not been um, has not been brought 
uh, yeah. you know, really brought up uh, yet. I mean, um, I think that's one of a number of questions. I mean, the doctor's the whole question of the doctor's sexuality, because the doctor before now yeah. has clearly always been heterosexual, a heterosexual man. So where does that leave the Thirteenth Doctor? There's all sorts of questions like that, that that we haven't had answers to. It's very strange. I, I'm, I, I mean, I mean, for for me, all, although there was the um, although there was a kind of paternalistic element of the Doctor, the Capaldi Doctor, leaving mm. three women to uh, to contemplate the, the the fate of the Earth. I think the difference was the essential difference between them was that he was not a human being and that they were human beings. And therefore I don't think that that would change that, that that element of it would change that. I think the doctor would still feel that it was still their decision. But I mean, whether, whether Clara would feel as betrayed by, by the doctor as she did when it was, when the doctor looked how he did in, in the in the story as it exists, I mean it'd be interesting because I don't because I don't think Clara would have that same relationship with the uh, mm. with 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 the doctor probably. Yeah, yeah, you're probably I mean, right. Um, I mean that was an interesting relationship that she had with the doctor because I mean they, they were kind of suggesting that um, initially she viewed him as a kind of boyfriend and then he became this. Um, old grump who, who you know, there wasn't really any emotional attachment to. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I know they, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, there were kind of uh, different suggestions about what Clara's sexuality was later, but um, I mean, I think it was fairly clear that there was an attraction between her and Matt Smith. Yeah. Um, and I'm, uh, I don't, I don't know whether there, whether there would be between her and Jodie Whittaker. It's interesting. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause I don't think all doctors, I don't think all doctors are the same. They're clearly not. Mm. They're, they're, they're clearly all different characters. And, um, and I don't think you write them in the same way either. No. I don't think you should. Um, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I, you know, I'm not sure I would write "Kill the Moon" for Jodie Whittaker's Doctor either. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's inter- It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it took me about three years to come up with uh, come up with a fairly flimsy plot for "Kill the Moon." Uh, sure. You have to kind of ask me in three years if I uh, when I've had enough time to think yeah. about um, how it's going <laughs> to how, yeah. how I do it with Jodie Whittaker, but. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's very interesting. Do you think um, that the classic who almost predicted this state of affairs when it kind of cast the, the Time Lords as, you know, semi-villains as these these non-interventionists? But that's clearly that's clearly painted as a bad thing in classic who, isn't it? That the Time Lords don't intervene. The doctors, the doctors, clearly supposed to be the good guy because he intervenes. Yeah, and that's and kind of a sign of what's to come in this in this political age. Where the, where the being a bystander is more of a crime than it's ever been in a, a lot of people's eyes, I think. Yeah, which I suppose it was. I mean, I suppose it. Uh, I suppose the the whole kind of um, 
the the appeasement you, you know that comes from kind of Chamberlain's appeasement of uh, of Hitler sure. basically yeah. that 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 became an appalling crime and mm. then you have that dramatized in um in uh, the Daleks yeah uh that um that lounging about being being um being thals and uh, and not doing mm. anything is 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 a bad thing i, I mean i think it's, it's, I, I yeah. think it's a uh, it's it's a different it's it's slightly different because we haven't we're we're at that stage where there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff in the world which essentially is fascism mm. um and it's 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 getting easier to call it that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not, we're not, you know, Doctor Who started just on the right side of history where it had been definitively proved that a bad thing had been defeated mm-hmm. by by something which was better than it. Yeah. Um, and we're still at that stage, I think, where the bad things are growing mm. and... Um, Hitler wasn't they, able to tweet that he'd won the war after the war. No, I he guess. wasn't. No, he yeah. wasn't because he he thought he'd thoughtfully killed himself by that yeah. by, by, by that yeah. stage. But um, um, but but I mean, we're 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 at a we're at a period where you can kind of um, you can call each other things like that. But um, uh, but the 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 vast majority of people are still a bit uncertain as to whether it is fascism or yeah. whether whether it is a whether whether there might be something good in it or or, or whatever the, you know we're mm. we're in the middle of a kind of war which hasn't entirely been won well um, this is making me think of the doctor's friendship with winston churchill which as yeah. recently as 2010 went completely unremarked upon and now I think in 2020, with what, with how opinion has changed about Winston Churchill, I don't know whether that would be depicted in Doctor Who in the same way. And I think if it was, there'd be a, a larger conversation about it. I think the 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 net of things that is wrong that for the Doctor to turn a blind eye at has become mm. wider and wider. Even thinking about a story like the Talons of Wang Chiang, where the Doctor stands there and and puts up with some of the racism that's going on. There are other stories like that in the classic series too. And even in New Who, I think that it's becoming less and less okay for that character to do that. I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I think so. I think so as well. Um and it's a very it's uh I think we're much more aware now of of those decisions that we make um uh, having implications, mm. um, and how they may be seen in in four or five years' time. Yeah. Um, and 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 um, uh, it, you, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's odd because it's a show that deals in moral absolutes, and um, and it's 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 quite hard to deal in moral absolutes at the moment. It's got to um, choose a set of moral a- absolutes, and that is always going to make things contentious, yeah. isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, and that's and that and that's a tricky situation to be in when you're when you're a kind of global, a show that isn't a British show anymore. Um, 
uh, that's a that's a global show. Mm. Um, but it, it's equally it's trying to it's trying to promote a certain kind of Britishness as well. Yes, I guess. Yeah. And 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 you you, you know we're in the middle of a kind of a fundamental um, disagreement about what Britishness is as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it 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 seems it it's. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a tricky tricky thing to um to carry forward. It's not it's not just a kind of um uh a children's adventure show that, that grown ups no. adore uh <laughs> any, anymore. It's 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 got to kind of um increasingly decide which which side of um of various fences it sits on. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Peter. That is quite the rabbit hole we got down there. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate um, everything you've shared. It's been it's been amazing. Oh no worries. I hope it wasn't too boring. No, it was it was extraordinary. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is me wrapping up the podcast. I guess I usually ask my guest where to find their stuff on Twitter, but I don't think you use social media, do you, Peter? Um, or, or do you? Am I, I just looking into I'm, your social I mean, media presence? I do, um, no, not no, not really. I, I I have I have kept my 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 Twitter account, but but I but I I log in for two minutes a month and then deactivate it again <laughs> in case I should ever have to promote a novel or something. Right. Okay. Um, no, I came back for a little while when we did the tweet alongs, which tweet along, sure, which was which was lovely. Um, mm. I mean, that was a because um, because I I just went and hid really after. Um, Kill the moon, and so I, and so I never, and there was, then there was a lot more love for the Zygons, and so yeah. so it was nice to kind of ex, uh, experience that um, kind of five years later. Um, uh, no, so I'm not I'm 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 not on Twitter, and I'm and uh, I am on Facebook, but I but I don't have uh, a, you know I I I, sure. I just tend to befriend people that I've actually met, um, yeah. uh, and I uh, I can't say that I've got anything coming up in, in the, the pipeline uh, in, in in the immediate future there may be a there may well be a um a kind of sci-fi show coming up beginning of 2022 um on uh on on a streaming platform but mm-hmm. um but uh you know we'll see about that that's um that's not 100% definite yet but uh yeah um, watch the space just just watch just watch space generally <laughs> uh, yeah in more ways than one you know put 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 your feelers out to the cosmos yeah, um, yeah. the fronds yeah don't yeah. titivate your fronds <laughs> great well you can find um, me on twitter at molly underscore martian and you can find the podcast on twitter at galacticoyopod and you can email email me with uh, anything at galacticoyopod at gmail.com but until next time bye bye everybody bye